Take your Bible, and if you want to turn to Luke 6, you can. That would be a good place. Uh, we will be there in a minute. Um, we kind of said uh, last week, guidelines for the life of a disciple. <clears throat> we don't have any of those waters left, do we? Uh, Alicia? We don't have any of those waters left, do we? I can go get you some in cup. Here's a cup. Can you go get me some out of the water fountain? Oh, okay. Thank you. I got a cup right here. You want? Um, we talked about what, what Jesus is doing in Luke 6 is he's outlining the, the way that a disciple is supposed to live. So also known as the uh, Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, it's known by a couple of different names. The idea here is that Jesus is giving us the principles by which we're supposed to live as Christians. So uh, these are very much boiled down almost, some of them are very proverbial statements, and they're very important for us to get an idea of how to live. So if we're going to live out the radical change of being a Christian, you're going to need to see the world a little bit differently. You're going to need to adopt a worldview that is consistent with the Bible. And I have right off the bat this embracing Jesus' value system. That's building our, if we're a disciple, our value system. We embrace Jesus's. Because what you'll notice throughout these passages is that the way Jesus sees the world and the way Jesus tells us to see the world is different than the way the world typically works or the way the world and, and, and the sinful man want things to work. If we do things Christ's way, it actually works better. But um, we must embrace Jesus' value system. Uh, so we're talking about how... First, we'll be discussing how the disciples should live with other people. Um, I have this verse here out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Kind of to highlight, thank you, sir. Very much appreciate that. Kind of to highlight what I was saying. The Apostle Paul says, But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised, or they're spiritually interpreted. They're, they're spiritual words. And this is in the context of a long discussion about the Holy Spirit's role in the spirit in the in the um, person's life. But I want you to notice this. What is a natural man? Man of this world. Someone without the power of God in their life. When someone who does not have Christ in their life looks at the things we're about to look at, their analysis of it is often what? Well, that's foolish, right? That doesn't make any sense. And so we're going to see it's radical, it's different. Um, the natural man your blank there is rejects God. The natural man rejects God. You see this all around you. If you talk to many people who are uh, rebellious against God, you'll find this. I find this when I talk to people who, who reject God's way of doing things. Um, and it says here, I think I have this written down uh, in your thing, because both our flesh and the world system are opposed to God as a rebellion. We should expect that living for God will be both, here's your one and two, different and difficult. There should be a one and a two on your sheet. If you're going to live for God, if you're going to follow the disciples' way of living that Christ gives you, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be different, and it's going to be difficult. And you've got to be prepared for that. Jesus says, count the cost. Be ready for this. Okay? Um, the changes you make may seem like radical changes, especially when you look at the way... The world lives. So let's look at, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our groups again because we have plenty of time tonight, at least at this point. So um, I'm going to give you guys, uh, you should have, does anybody have any extra sheets, by the way? Where are they? All the way back there? Yeah, I'm going to grab one. We're just look at it. Um, we have a group. 
who can do the uh, section one here, radical changes in action for living, that is living for others. Radical changes in action is your first group here. Um, that is going to be covering that verses 27 through 31. I give you the action and the recipient here. Fill out that little chart and then uh, think about how this might work, uh, especially related to the, the cross-reference there in Romans chapter 12. The next group, um, I want you to turn the page over. We're going to do this middle section together. Turn the page over, and on the back it says, um, show mercy to others. Okay? I want to quickly explain this. I'm going to get through this radical change in mindset. That's what we're going to cover. Don't look. Don't look. Okay. Show mercy with others. This is what I want. This group over here is going to be doing the show mercy part. Okay, you guys are going to be doing the first section. This group over here is this, this back page. Mercy is not giving others what they deserve. Okay? It's the opposite of grace. Grace is giving somebody something they don't deserve. Mercy is withholding, I should say. Withholding or not giving someone what they do deserve. Okay? Withholding something. You ever played that game, Mercy? Where you got your fingers? And you're like punishing someone with them, you know, your hands. And they're and they say what? They say, mercy. That means what? Stop. So that's the easy way to remember. Mercy means stop. That they deserve it. So you deserve something. The police officer pulls you over for speeding. He has you. And he says, I'm gonna show mercy and not give you a ticket. Okay. That doesn't happen the second time around. Okay. Probably. That's that's probably true. Um because God shows mercy, we have to show mercy. So I have several questions for you here. Just do this left side, these three questions, if you can. Okay? So we're going to bring up into our groups. Um, you guys talk about mercy and about this uh, uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 37 and following. You guys over here do 27 through 31. We'll come back together in a minute and discuss your group. Then we'll do the middle section. Then we'll come back to you. Okay? Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, you, you can group up in your sections. I'm going to give you about 10 minutes. That should be plenty of time to cover what you can. Okay? So we'd like to... Somebody speak for you and get together and uh, talk it over and see what you come up with. All right, why don't we, uh, I know I'm stopping you a little bit early, but I think, I think we can make progress and do this. I think, how far did you guys get? Did you get anything? All right. Both pages? Way to go. Let's talk with this group here. If y'all want to see the board, you can turn around if you want. Um, explain to me <coughs> um, what, list some of the actions and recipients of the actions that uh, Jesus, let's read through this, and then we got the, um, the chart here that I get, had you fill out. It says, I say to you who hear, um, just tell me what to underline. What, what are you supposed to do? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Circle your, the, I'm going to do this. I'm going to underline, I don't know why it's up there like that, but we'll just let it go. Um, see if I can make it disappear. Not work. If you're having troubles with the electronics, you know how to work. Why are you trying this stuff? About that. Let's see if it works. Um, love your enemies. What's the next thing? Do good. Do good to whom? Those who, hate you. those who hate you. Okay, that's not who you'd expect. Uh, what's next? Bless those, who curse you. bless those who curse you. And that's funny because in the, in Hebrew, if you said to bless somebody. Um, if you were talking about cursing somebody, 
you actually would use the word bless because, uh, when you're talking about God. It was like a euphemism. Like, have you ever heard somebody that they just blessed him up and down? You ever somebody say that in the South? Oh. It's the same idea. Like you bless them out. Yeah, blessing them out. Yeah. It means curse, but they use the word bless to be nice. Bless those who curse you. He's saying actually bless them. They're in the middle of cursing you. You, you turn around and tell them God's blessings. Uh, what's next? Pray for those who mistreat you. How about next? Yeah, so we have this, he switches it up. He says, gives you the person, okay, the person who hits you on the cheek, smites you on the cheek, okay, takes his hand, pop. What are you supposed to do? Give him the other one. Um, And whoever takes your coat, (coughs) do not withhold your shirt, from him either. This is the uh, in the in this context, in this cultural context, you had people who wear like an undergarment, like a garment close to the skin. That was the shirt, and the coat was like a formal cloak kind of thing. And I think I put a footnote on there for you that. So he's saying, I mean, he takes you takes your coat. Go ahead and give him everything. That'd be very embarrassing for that person. But go from there. Um, give. What's next? Give to everyone who asks. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. So um, in our little box here, we have this. You would think it would say, love your friends. Do good to those who do good to you. But this is Jesus' way of doing things, which is not the same as the way we might do things. In a worldly sense. This can all be summed up in the golden rule, which is Luke 6.31. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Now, I asked you to think about this passage. Who would, would someone like to read that for us out loud from this group over here? Who would like to read that for us? The Romans 12, yeah, Romans 12, 18-21. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with others. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God for his written. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome. Hold on. Almost Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Very good. What, do you, what did you, um, did this passage provide any insight to your discussion? If so, What? You weren't really chatty group tonight, so nobody really had much input. How about now? What do you think? Um, I thought this would be totally wrong, but um, first of all, when I think of abuse, I think of like take advantage of. Yeah. Um, so I feel like if someone were to sit there and ask you for something for your favor after favor or good after good, mm-hmm. um, and they'd see you respond with, yeah, go right ahead and even give more, then I feel like eventually they hopefully I kind of start to realize like, oh, this person is incredible and I'm asking for my one and I should have feeling bad. Yeah, I mean, what do, you, what do you make of this? You see this section right here? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap the burning coals on his head. You're going to kill him with kindness. That's kind of the idea. It's this, it's this thing of who really owe, Who really is the one who will enact vengeance? It's not up to you. It's up to God. 
So don't try to get back at people. As hard as it might be. The whole, I don't get angry, I get even. I've heard that before. Yeah, people say that. Um, that is not good, because God is the one who is the just ruler of the world, not you. Because you don't have perfect knowledge, and you don't have perfect strength. So when you try to make things even, you normally go overboard. You can't punish someone perfectly for what they've done wrong. If possible, especially as it depends on you, what are you supposed to do? Live at what? Be at peace. So do you have lots of fights with people? Do you have lots of arguments with people? Are you the kind of person who has lots of disagreements and nobody can get along with you? If so, perhaps you need to take this verse and print it out and put it inside your wallet or put it somewhere where you will see it all the time. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge. Leave revenge for God. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give him drink. That's what I, uh, the idea here of being... Um, of being kind to other people is very important. Any other comments from that section? Thanks for feeding me, guys. No problem. Stick around if you want. No? No. All right. Okay. We're good. If it be possible, as much as lie then you live peacefully with all men and women. There it is. So, um, that was very interesting. I've never had that happen before. Um, oh, did she? Okay. So, she may have what? I don't care. We have, we have plenty left over. So, how should a disciple live with others? In other words, what you guys pointed out, what you guys pointed out was that, or what this passage pointed out, what you guys observed, hopefully, was that this is a radical change in action. If you're a Christian, you're going to act differently. How many people actually live like this? Not even a lot of Christians, and they're told to live like this. Not many people actually live out the way that they're told that Jesus teaches us to live. Our way of teaching is, is, is uh, they bring a knife, you bring a gun. You know, they hit, you hit back harder. You don't let anyone uh, get away with anything. You step up to the plate and, and get them in the face. That is not what Jesus is saying. He's like, you let God deal with this. What did, how should a disciple level change in action and changes in mindset? Turn with me to verse 32, or it's up here if you'd like. This is, um, the, these are the truths. In order to have these external actions, I, I talked about this at length uh, a couple uh, last year, but there's this concept we like to say, um, I like to describe the Christian life like a tree, and I'm sure those of you who, who have seen this before, um, this is this is old school. This is obvious, but these um, we call this. This is where the fruit is right here on the tree, right? And this is the observable uh, blessing, the observable um, fruit, the things that come from uh, your life. This is a per- this is a representation of a person. The Bible is often using the idea of a tree to be like a person. Um, if this is the external, observable things, we can describe these two areas right here in the following way. We can describe this as your, your heart or your mind. 
And can anybody see my mind? No. It's under the surface, see? But it's there, and whatever happens down here affects what's up here. Well, we're getting there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And this is described as your will in the middle here as the thing that supports and gives fuel to your, your, your belief system. So what you believe, what you desire. So believe. What you believe informs what you desire. Okay, and what you desire gives energy or emotion to what you do. And so, if your actions are not right, if we go back to this and we say, I'm not living like this. Okay, I want to do evil to those who hate me. I want to curse those who curse me. I don't want to pray for those who abuse me. I want to get even with them. I want to be, uh, be mean to them. We need to work first on here, at the heart level. That will inform our desires, that will motivate our behavior, so that our fruit is, is, is the kind of fruit that God would want coming out of our hearts, or coming out of our lives, because the Bible says that whatever comes out of man comes from his heart. That's why Jesus in this section goes straight for the heart. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? What benefit? Uh, even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? He's using the same word here, credit. What benefit? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But what does he say here? What are we supposed to do? Look at this. Love your enemies. Do good and lend is the same thing repeated. Expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. What this means is that you will be identified as children of God. <clears throat> People will look at you and they'll say, that person acts like God acts. They're showing mercy and kindness. For he himself, notice, is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Who's ungrateful and evil? Me. We all are. I'm ungrateful, I'm evil, and God is kind to me. God has shown mercy to me. Why am I not merciful with other people? It's exactly what he's saying. You have no right to be unmerciful because God was merciful to you. God shed, God sent Jesus Christ to shed his blood on the cross to die so you don't have to die. Just to die on that cross and be raised again the third day to pay for your sin. And you get mad because somebody is mean to you. And calls you out at work, or calls you a name, or says that you're ugly or something, or kicks you in the shin. Right, right. God is kind to ungrateful and evil men, and if we are, we are reflecting His nature. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Our word is mercy. Our key word there, of mercy. So I have some some things here. Recognize and internalize. Christians ought to recognize that all people are created in God's image. You should respect everyone, not just those who are from your own little community. Christians ought to recognize that all people are created in God's image. Um, this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. God made man in his own image. You're not a mistake. 
not just a chemical reaction. God has a plan for you, and he loves you. And everyone deserves to be respected. This is why the Bible has an answer to racism. The Bible's answer to racism is we're all one race, we're the human race. We don't, we didn't evolve from different kinds of monkeys in different parts of the world. Okay, we're all part of one people, and God loves every one of us. Another thing, Christians ought to recognize they are sinners in need of a Savior just like everyone. They sought to encourage humility when dealing with others as opposed to superiority. Okay, humility. You look at people and you say, that dirty, rotten scoundrel. Well, look at, I mean, look at this verse. You are the ungrateful and evil person that God has been kind to in the past. Christians ought to live in light of God's merciful, gracious love towards us as sinners. We are completely undeserving of this love. Therefore, we must show love to others even when they are undeserving. A couple more. Christians ought to recognize that the reward will not be on this earth, will be an eternal reward in heaven. You've got to have an eternal perspective. If your mindset is just right here, right now, you're going to be very unsatisfied. Because there's more to life than just right here, right now. Christians ought to strive to reflect the character of God as being sons of the Most High, who shows blessings to the good and to the evil, who gives mercy to the righteous and unrighteous, who reigns on the just and the unjust. So let's do our last section here. How the disciple should evaluate themselves, showing mercy to others. What did you guys come up with? Um, here's our verses here. You want to read them out loud for the other group? Who wants to do it? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so did I have a? Oh, I don't have the questions. The questions are number one: What exactly is Jesus commanding his disciples to do? Uh, is he saying that you should never judge someone ever? What did you guys come up with? Okay. Judge, and you will not be judged. I think the point, if you read Matthew 7, did y'all, I think y'all read that, right? The point he makes there is, because with the judgment you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. So he's not saying don't ever judge. In fact, Jesus, and the next passage says, when you're helping your brother, in other words, when you're judging your brother, <laughs> you know, be sure to judge yourself first. He's not saying you're never allowed to point out something wrong with someone else. He's not saying that. He's saying, in the way that you point out that person's fault, you have to be ready that you are creating a standard by which you yourself will be judged. Yeah? So if you're helping, isn't it more of you're correcting your brother rather than judging them? Yes. So that's a good point. That's a good point. The word judge can mean to condemn. It can also mean to issue a judgment, to make a, to make a discernment. Um, so if you look at, um, if you have your Bible, you can turn to John 7. Uh, it's John seven twenty four. Is it, you might want to just jot it down in your margin there, uh, because this is a very important verse as well. <coughs> Jesus says, 
in John 7, 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. The idea being that it's nothing, it's not that judging itself is wrong. See, there's this, this is one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody. They're like, judge not that you be not judged. Because I'm talking to them about maybe a sin in their life. I'm saying this is wrong to do this. They say, well, you shouldn't be ju- Only God can judge me. Well, not really, actually. The Bible talks about how to help your brother through a situation. And that involves not judging in the sense that we might think of condemning or saying you're, you know, speaking down to them, but helping them through. And, I'm, and we're going to actually get to that in probably next week about how to work through an interpersonal conflict. That's our big, our big discussion. Um, because that's very important uh, in this as it relates to this. Um, so he's not saying that, uh, I, I hear, let me put it this way. Showing mercy is a kind way to live. You don't demand perfection from other people. You show mercy and God will give you mercy and they will show you mercy back. So what did, what warnings does Jesus uh, give and how his disciples address others? What's the warning? <laughs> yeah, give and it will be given to you. They will pour in. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you don't pardon, you won't be pardoned. If you don't, if you judge, you see this? If you do condemn, you will be condemned. This idea of the, what you, how you treat others is how you're going to be treated. Now, third question. Can you think of times when someone might seem unforgivable? What does Jesus say about an unforgiving heart? And why should we treat others with mercy, even or especially when they've wronged us? Did you guys get to that question? Because God has shown us so much mercy, we have to show mercy back to other people. Now, does that mean never pursuing justice? So somebody breaks into your car, steals your radio, hits you on the head with a flashlight, and you're sitting there dazed and confused, and he says, forgive me. And you say, mercy upon you. No worries. And then, and then he runs off with your radio. That example is almost like whenever we are completely and totally aware of a sin that we're committing, but we do it anyways because, oh, God will forgive me. Yeah. It's like abusing the forgiveness. I think that you can forget. Let me put the, I'm going to say this, and I think this will answer a lot of your questions. And I, I don't know if this is a perfect answer or not. But I think you can, you can forgive someone and still pursue justice. Okay? So, for example, if you're a female and you were abused by an uncle or something, can you forgive that uncle? Yeah, you should. But does that mean you don't do anything about it? No. Because he has not only sinned against you, he's also sinned against the state of South Carolina. Right? He's violated not only you, he's also violated the law. And so he has to be held accountable for what he's done. Does that, does that make sense? So you can forgive. Your heart can be a heart of forgiveness where you say, look, I'm going to show mercy to you. I'm not going to hold bitterness in my heart towards you. Yet, the law is the law, and I'm going to still submit this to justice. So you still need, hey, can I have my radio back? <laughs> is, that, is that a question, or are you just thinking? Thank you. Well, don't you think it's talking more about, like, relationship-wise? Like, even back in the other passage, when it talks about that, um, when someone strikes you in the cheek and it turns them the other. Yeah. Instead of talking more about like honor, yeah, like someone kind of like I'm taking your honor from you. Sure. Not so much like physical abuse. Yeah, but but there but is not. 
Okay, so what what you're what you're it's saying? Not to Correct. That, what I, and that's the that's what and that's the point I'm, point I'm saying is that there is a legal there is also legal stuff going on here where if you're if you are being abused, it's not what it's not saying is okay. You're a teenager and your uncle's abusing you, and you're like, well, Jesus says turn the other cheek. No, that, that's not that's not the whole story. Yes, you should have a forgiving heart towards that person. You should not carry. Now, this is this is where people get messed up because there are some people who have re- overreacted to people saying, "Well, you're being an enabler and you're just saying forgive this person." How dare you say forgive this person who was a rapist or a horrible person? Well, the Bible says to forgive, but it doesn't say to just abandon all kinds of justice and say, "Well, you know, just let it go." God, part, God actually gives us human government. Romans thirteen one, Genesis chapter. Nine, uh, all these kind of forms of government to actually carry out justice. So submitting it to the courts and letting God deal with it that way is a perfectly feasible, perfectly right way to deal with things. Okay, but it's not right for you to live your whole life angry at that person. Just like they've done something wrong to you, but that is actually wrong of you to respond in that way. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Not be in the same time, like not have that same relationship with them. Like you've hurt me, and I can forgive you. However, that doesn't mean we're best friends again. That doesn't mean we're cool again. Like yeah, I, I think I think so. I, there is always there are always these damage done to relationships. So if someone has stolen lots of money from you or done something terrible to you, and you forgive them, but you, you're like, I'm not letting you in my house by yourself again, because last time you were in there, you you took. You went through my drawers and you stole my stuff. You know, so it changes your relationship. But the forgiveness, and we'll talk about this next, next week some more. What forgiveness means is the promise never to hold that offense over them and the promise never to bring that up again. But it does, it might affect the way things are going forward, but you're not going to say every time you meet that person, you know, every time you see that person, you're bringing it up and, and using that as a, something to beat them over the head with it. A couple more questions. We're running out of time. Yeah. It's okay. Okay, that's a song. But what you're saying is he, he moves the he moves the he removes your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. He will remember your sins no more. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. So with that being said, it's like how do you forgive a person and um, you know, but not hold it against them? It's like you know, with the example that y'all just mm-hmm. explained. So, so like, like what you said, you know, I forgive you, but I don't want you in my house again, like by yourself. But isn't that a way like you're still no, not necessarily. Let me explain. Let me explain. The word to forgive is not the same as to forget. Okay. So you people have said forgive and forget for a long time so much that people, some people think it's in the Bible. It's not. Uh, when God says he will choose to remember your sins no more, the word remember, and I've used this before, but the word remember actually comes from, we use that same word when we use the word memorial, to build like a memorial. So some people in their hearts, when somebody sinned against them, they have built a memorial to that offense, and they go to that offense for motivation. They go to that offense to drive them. I've heard people talk. You've heard people talk like this. That one person, they told me I'd never be anything, and I'm so mad at my dad that the rest of my life I've lived to prove my dad he didn't know what he was talking about. That's bitterness. That's harmful. That's dangerous. That you are so unforgiving and so brutal towards that person that that's what you've done. You've remembered that. Forgiveness is not doing that. You may never be able to forget something. 
And there may be consequences for something. Like I said, if, if the person, I, I know this, you were saying less intense, but I, I mean, I tend to go to the more intense because I think you have to take it all the way to the extreme to see really where the, where the line is. So if, if someone has been an abuser and you say, well, I forgive you, but they may not be able to be in the same house with a certain person, and that's completely fine. That's a consequence of their sin. doesn't mean they aren't forgiven. There are consequences that come along with sin that you can't choose. You just, you just choose not to bring it up again. Right, so that's, that's what I was getting to, is that God, God is perfect. God remembers everything. God knows every sin you ever did, even when you ask God to forgive you. He knows that sin. In fact, God records in the Bible sins from people that they ask forgiveness for. So it's not like God forgot. He can't forget. What he does is he chooses not to bring it up. He chooses not to remember it. He chooses not to call it to your account, if that makes sense. We're going to get into more detail. I'm, we're kind of I'm giving you the Reader's Digest really quick quick hits version right now um, but that's a really dated reference Reader's Digest nobody knows what that is anymore I got you but you okay okay I got a couple people here the Sparks Notes version the Spark Notes version yeah. the Wikipedia no not Wikipedia let's say the, that's not even the right yeah um, we're talking about next week we're going to talk about personal conflict and personal relationships and I think this is really where the rubber hits the road for a lot of people. And every time we do a Bible study, it seems like this is where the discussion likes to, to settle, where it talks about forgiveness, talks about relationships, talks about conflict. And so um, I hope you're able to make it back because that's, we're going to really discuss that and, and dig into what that looks like and spend a lot of time there. So is that all right? Can we leave it where we are now? Yes? Yeah, I was just going to say um, just about what, what they were talking about. The way I look at it, the way I like to look at it is um, forgiveness and foolishness are not the same thing. Like you can forgive someone, but then being foolish is to let them do that to you again. So, right. You know, I, I don't know if that kind of is a, another word picture that helps. Yeah, it's, it's, the idea is that there's some, there are consequences to sin. That does not, it's not the same as saying, like when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean, it doesn't, it's not like they never sinned before. It's not like it never had happened, ever. You, that sometimes sins are so bad that they have repercussions that last. However, you can in your heart be like, I will not hold this against you. When I think of you, I will not think of you. I will not think of this sin. I will try not to make this sin uh, something I bring up to you over and over again. Hope that makes sense. Let's pray and close. And we'll, we'll talk about this more next week. Hope you're able to make it back. Hang around as long as you want and grab some food. I know a lot of you guys get to, got to get away to study for your midterm. So I don't want to keep you too late. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for the good discussion we had tonight. I pray you'd help us to be the kind of people who love our enemies and are do good to those who hate us and even those who don't like us. We, we are kind to them and show the love of Christ because, Lord, we were, even when we hated you, you loved us so much. We despised you. You sent your son to die for us. And, God, we rest in you. We rest in your, in your care. We rest in your mercy. And we hope that, Lord, that you would help us be merciful to other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for your good attention and your good uh, participation tonight. Have a great evening.